Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks to the guys who are probably getting in their cars, heading into traffic. Thanks for making it over here uh, today. And uh, I always love guy talk. It's great. Now it's got. Uh, it's time for the beautiful and amazing queens of the roundtable. And you know that's uh, double the fun. So I've got uh, Rebecca and Rosie and Angela and Teresa in the studio today. They are the power panel. And you know you can ask any question you'd like. So uh, 877-933-2484. I promise you will enjoy their answers. So send me questions. Again, 877-93-FAITH. Let's take 60 seconds and get things started. Hi, I'm Neil Stavum. You may have recently given a gift of support to Faith Radio. And if you're like a growing number of listeners, you did it without writing a check or addressing an envelope because you're an ongoing monthly giver. By giving electronically, your gift arrives automatically and consistently helping to build the financial foundation for this ministry that shares the gospel and offers the hope of Jesus every day. And as our support base grows, so do the opportunities for impact. So thank you for standing with us. Your investment is changing lives. Our Lord knows all about our needs. So if your need today is emotional, He knows it perfectly. If it is physical, some form of healing, He knows all about it. If it is a financial need, He knows about that. Truth, real hope, Faith Radio. <laughs> oh, welcome back. This is uh, making me laugh. Uh, the beautiful and amazing queens of the round table are now uh, happening, and Dr. Peter Kaffner is hung on the line. He's still with us. Peter, are you still there? I am. I, I, you know, Bill, I haven't been popular or liked since like elementary school. So to get the invitation to stick around for a little bit, I mean, I, I can't even tell you what, what to say. Yeah, well, the ladies all welcome you and they uh, are absolutely uh, okay with you making comments at any time you'd like. That sounds great. Me, I prefer you not to, but that's just me. <laughs> this is an inclusive I can hour. I really sympathize right. with your view, Bill. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. The All more right. the merrier. All right, ladies, here's a question already from a listener. How do you have enough energy to love each of your children and still prioritize time with the Lord and your husband when children are very small and very dependent? Two under two for me right now. Ooh, Ooh two oh, under well, two. two. Well, that's assuming we did it well, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, when I was a student here, one of my professors talked about, she would just leave her Bible open on her table, and she would walk by and she talked to talked described it as taking a lick off of a sucker that she would go by. She would read a, read a section, read a verse, and she would take a lick. And by the end of the day, that sucker was gone because she had, that's gross. She had licked it all the way down. <laughs> yeah, but, do, you want, yeah. do you want a different picture? Or there's a yeah, yeah, But it was just that, just that quick, you know, it, it, constant input of God's word. But sometimes that's all you have time for. And don't you think we have to give ourselves room because it's this image of what perfect looks like, Mm -hmm. you know, and I often during those years uh, when I had two little ones and I was at home and, 
and doing all the things I was doing, the Lord just wanted my heart to show up. So I would pray to him all day or step in, but never with an image of perfect, Mm -hmm, you know, and loving your kids up for who they are in the way of God, they're Mm going to feel it. I mean, my boys still go back and talk about silly things that we did. And to me, I'm just so happy that they remember any of my good parenting (laughs) (laughs) and that they, but that they feel loved. I mean, it's not how you're doing it or doing it just right. It's, It's the fact that you're showing up with the heart to do it. Mm-hmm. And isn't it the time that you spend with them? I had a one, three, and a f- or, yeah, one, three, and five-year-old, and um, each one was at a different spot. You know, you have a baby, then you have a two-year-old that's crawling all over you, and the four-year-old who's reading books and going, "Okay, now how can I dedicate time?" So I think it's just being real intentional and just being there, mm-hmm. being there when you're with them, when with your husband, um, being able to communicate to him. And just being in the moment. So not looking for the next best best thing or the next thing happening in your life but or being your day. available. Yeah. 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 Well, and I also, I just had this memory of going on a walk with Bennett and feeling like I had the neighborhood posse of boys. There's 11 boys in our neighborhood when the kids were growing up. And I remember stopping at a caterpillar like all boys do, you know, or most boys do, looking at it going, and I remember saying, doesn't God do great work? Mm-hmm. You know, and so it wasn't this Bible passage or anything. It was just pointing to nature and pointing to the beauty of God for the for those 11 boys for the 10 seconds I had, you know, that's all you get. Yeah. And then you well, move on to the next thing. And I think I've heard someone describe this with discipleship and mentoring that people may not remember the lessons or the studies that you did with them, but they're going to remember how you made them feel mm-hmm. and how they felt with you. And so to your point, Teresa, about spending time and being present with them, I think that's all you can do because sometimes that is all you can do. Right. To, to survive the day, especially if you have two under two. Yeah. End of sentence, period. That's right. all yeah. you can do. <laughs> right. yep. Done. For whatever reason, and hopefully this is encouraging to this dear listener, because I am in the struggle with you. <laughs> um, we've got a house full of kids, you know, both parent or both husband and wife working, just two dogs, just craziness all the time. And uh, I remembered yesterday the story I heard about uh, the songwriter Darlene Check. And just hearing that it was a time of real struggle for her, I could definitely relate. Their business was failing, just craziness in their household. She felt like she never had time to herself. And she went in one late night to her daughter's uh, playroom, and they had a little toy piano there. And she started plunking at the toy piano just to get out the emotions that she was feeling. And she wrote a song, and that song ended up being Shout to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And wow. it was in that moment of frustration and the only quiet time that she could find, which was like four in the morning, yeah. plunking on her little daughter's piano that she poured out her heart to the Lord and it became this beloved um, kind of modern hymn, if you will. And and I think it is those times of real trying and stress that God isn't expecting you, like you said, Rosie, to show up perfect. He just wants to be with you and he wants you to want that with him as well. Um, so just on the practical note, it's an ongoing relationship and inviting him in just the moment that you wake up, just inviting him in and maybe you're waking up because a toddler is crying and screaming and that's okay. And God knows that. And he can give you the strength for that. He wants to be with you in all of those things. So it's not setting aside time to go be with the Lord. He's walking with you alongside. I like that. You're never alone. So if you keep your eyes 
fixed on him during those times where it gets real trying and find peace, I also think that your kids get more peaceful. Mm-hmm. Well what said. You, what do you think, Peter? Yeah, Peter, what do yeah, you think? I'm, just, I'm fascinated. Bill, this is way better than Guy Talk. <laughs> <laughs> Here. We forgot no, I, you, you were know, there. Sitting here listening and, and thinking about sort of the beautiful grind that is parenting, because it's both, right? I mean, it's both beautiful and it can be a grind. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking, so what are some of like maybe the one or two or three best things a husband can do to sort of really, if if, um, if the mother is at home with the kids and sort of experiencing the beautiful grind all day long, what what are the best things a husband can do to come alongside of that? When you walk in the door, you say, what can I make for dinner? (laughs) (laughs) Amen. And I shopped. And look, not only what can I make, but I thought I had ESP, I read your mind, and I stopped and got the ingredients. (laughs) No, there's so much, Peter. Thank you for even bringing that up from a male perspective. You know, I'm thinking back... uh, I know that the Lord asked me to stay home with my boys. I left the career world and stay home. And that was a very difficult transition for me as a woman. I loved my mom's heart was satisfied, but my woman's identity was at crisis and in question. And, you know, my husband was so good as to give me that time on Saturday mornings, Mm -hmm. particularly, and just said, you go do you like you go, go be who you are aside from being a mom and that was so satisfying to me. It just sometimes I just go to TJ Maxx and walk around and look yeah. at things. I never we didn't have the money to buy anything, but it was that time to reflect on who I am outside of motherhood that was so beneficial. I think for a lot of women, and I don't mean to put anything more on what you're already doing if you're staying home and taking care of kids, but occasionally because my husband was getting up and he was going to work and was providing for the family and was enabling me to be able to stay home. And so every so often we would do Todd Appreciation Days where I would make his favorite meal or, you know, when he would come home from work, I would, you know, daddy's home and everybody run to the door because I, because I think it's hard too for the man to go to work every, I think that's hard too, I guess. I agree. That's what I'm saying. Gary used to say that all the time. It's hard. It was hard for him to leave and come back in Mm -hmm. to this beautiful knitted family, myself and the two boys together communicating that he was providing for us, but wasn't a part of. And that was very difficult for him. Mm-hmm. Just Great. more appreciation all around. Yeah. 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 Right. You'll never right. go wrong yeah. by yeah. over-appreciating. Right. You know what I'm saying? Thank you for the small things. Thank you Definitely. for emptying the dishwasher. Yeah. Thank you for making mm-hmm. dinner. Thank you for changing that diaper. A big thank you yeah. for that. Dishwasher. All right. <laughs> Do you have one of them? <laughs> no, it's broken. All right. Um, I want to hear about the event coming up in March before we go to break. Yeah, we have the Set Apart Women's Conference, which is a women's conference that's held here at the university. And this year is going to be number 40, no, no 30, 30, 38. 38. Yeah. And it's March 6th and 7th. And so, um, Bill, all three of us are on the committee. So we spend a whole year planning this conference and what women need to hear or what what we feel like women would like to hear. This year, it's Rest for Your Soul. Mm -hmm. And so not only do we have keynote speakers on um, that speak twice on Friday and twice on Saturday, but we also have featured speakers. And then my favorite is the 16 workshops that women can pick from to go and um, learn and be trained up in the way of the Lord through a variety of different uh, topics. So it can be on what happens if you're divorced or you're, fi- you know, you're the financial financial planning. It, it's just the topics are very broad. So this year we picked a scripture as we do every year 
Um, Psalm 62.5, yes, my soul, and rest in God, my hope comes from him. We not only um, rely upon scripture to lift up the whole conference, but every week that we get together, we're praying for not only our speakers, we're praying for each woman that God is going to put upon her heart that she wants to attend. So mm-hmm. it's, it's an amazing experience, not only leading up to it, but then the two days that we get to have together. Right. Yeah, and this year we have Crystal Evans Hurst, who's part of the Evans family, and then we have Allie Worthington as our keynote speakers. And she's part of the Worthington family. She is, she is part of the Worthington <laughs> family. Let's not overlook that. All right, let me take a little break. Uh, let us know if you've got a question for the ladies and Peter. Uh, 877-933-2484. Otherwise, we'll be back in 90 seconds. Thank you for being with us today. The amazing and beautiful queens of the round table happening right now. And we're uh, very happy to take your questions. You know, I'm curious, ladies, if we could go into this. This happened about a month ago. Uh, let's see. What is today? Uh, no, actually, it wasn't a month ago. The Super Bowl. You guys mm. remember that? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The halftime show. I just want to talk about the mixed messages mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. goes on because there's this problem of of the women's empowerment, and then there's the exploitation. I found the halftime show vulgar and disgusting, um, but there is this mixed message going on, and I want to get your response to it. Well, absolutely, and I think the first thing we would want to go and speak about is um, the woman's perspective, but I have to take you back to 2018 with Adam Levine and his disrobing and coming out and taking off layer and layer of clothing, I don't think it's just women and exploitation. I feel like what are we asking our entertainers to present and what it just seems the bar just keeps on raising more and more and more. And I was offended last year with Adam taking off his shirt and the D like, it was like the striptease act from a male's perspective. Mm. So it's not just the females that were, are, that are exploited, but what are what are we asking from our artists that we don't ask from each other? I mean, there's just it just seems so disconnected to me. I agree. I think it's more of an entertain uh, entertainment question than it is a male female, and especially at the halftime, the expectations that are put on those entertainers, and then they're like, "What can I do to maybe shock? Maybe yeah. they're looking for that shock factor." Where we, as um, the audience, we're just looking to be entertained with talent that God gave them, not with all of the disgrace and the disgust and why do they have to cross the line? It's not necessary. These are talented women and talented men that have this opportunity. And is that, I mean, is the message because it's the Super Bowl, the idol of, you know, February, really, you know, that everybody is coming to watch and all the commercials that have to be just this entertaining because they're that expensive. And this, as you say, the expectation, is is that a society? Is that what we're asking for? I don't think so. I think there's a disconnect between what Hollywood sees or, you know, the people that make those decisions see and what everyday America is looking for. But I think you you do see in some of the commercials uh, a a message of family, a a message of... um, a valuing relationship in some mm-hmm. of the commercials. And I think 
that I didn't actually watch the Super Bowl and I had to go back after seeing all the comments about the halftime show and I went back and watched it again and I have I've kind of mixed emotions about it. I thought Shakira who's who's so talented I had no problem with her part of the show. I I thought there were some things that Jennifer Lopez did that like being on the pole and some of the shots which I thought is that her is that the cameraman saying, "Oh, when she does this, make sure you get this mm-hmm. shot." Like did she even know it was going to happen? Yeah. Um so that I think there were things that went too far, but I was I didn't have this like visceral I'm outraged kind of response. I thought there were parts of it that were actually like Cult, well, it, it is I, culturally driven. Yeah, I mean, yeah. because Shakira is Latino. I, yep, and I think she, I'm not. I'm. I don't know all of her ancestry, <laughs> yeah. so I'm not even going to go there. But I, what I saw were parts of of what she has always done in her entertaining the way the, the way that she moves her hips. That is part of the way that she dances. That mm-hmm. yeah. So there were parts of that that I thought were really beautiful. There are also parts that I thought I was like, I've got two boys and I thought I wouldn't want my two young men to see. My my two men were watching it and there was something. Okay. And so Angela and I were talking about this just earlier. I don't know when it was a couple Mm -hmm. days ago, but there's also something about the age of Jennifer Lopez that when I was watching it, I went, Ooh, I love that. She's in such good shape. I love, she's still dancing. I love all those things about her. But that do, I'm 55, and that does not represent me, nor do I want it to represent me. So this empowerment of, you know, breaking the age barrier, I felt like what was missing was my wisdom, my grace, you know, things that I have earned over a lifetime that would not put me in that position of being on a pole right. and dancing mm-hmm. like that, it, or even saying yes to the people who wanted me to. I would think it our ages, we would say, no, I don't think so. Yeah. Right. And I think that's one of the the mixed messages you were talking about, Bill, is that people tell us, well, that must be what strength looks like. Clearly, you know, physical fitness, well done, ladies. Yeah. Um, but it's it's difficult to look at the the content of the performance and say, yeah, I'm teaching other women good things by what I am displaying here. And the part that drove that point home to me was that Jennifer Lopez brought her daughter out during part of the performance and they were singing together. And I thought, if my daughter saw me do the things that JLo just did, what kind of lessons would that be teaching her? That really puts it in a different perspective for me because I want to be a strong, you know, wonderful role model for not only my daughter, but for other women who might be watching me. I, I know I have a lot of lessons to learn, and I need to learn them from other godly women who are ahead of me in this journey who've had those experiences. But I don't want them seeing me do those types of things that are somewhat, I would say, exploitive mm-hmm. or fulfilling an expectation that women have to be certain a certain way, particularly in terms of of sexuality or just to be looked at or to be desired physically, that's not what a strong woman is. God's women are so much more, and particularly putting it in the context of what the next generation is looking at for women. Well, and I also think we have an increase in human trafficking and all those other issues. And especially around the Super Bowl. And especially, especially around the Super Bowl. And there. It's such a a double-minded spirit, and so there is a responsibility as a culture for us to voice our concern about that, not just from our Christian position, but from a position of we are promoting 
something that is very desperately evil in mm-hmm. this world. And we don't have to just stay in our Christian net for that because everybody realizes human trafficking is on the rise and the Super Bowl is the worst day of the year for that. Mm-hmm. I'd be curious, ladies. I watched it with my five kiddos, two, three boys and two girls, and, and we did turn it off. I found it uh, disturbing in some ways. But I have a girl who's 18 and a girl who's 12, and they both have been dancers. And, you know, as a parent, what what do I tell them, especially as a father? Because part of what's swept up in all of this, it seems, is, you know, sort of the exploitation or the sense of this is somehow beautiful, or these are these are examples, Shakira and JLo, of beautiful women, whatever it happens to be. But um, wh- what do we tell our young girls that isn't patronizing about that which constitutes beauty? You know, because I, both of my girls would like to have a sense that they sort of, quote, look good, or they're looking their best self or whatever it would happen to be. But are we heading in the wrong direction with that? What, what do we tell our young women about uh, things around beauty? That's interesting. Uh, Rosie and I were, again, having a conversation about uh, J-Lo and uh, that she's 50. And I saw something recently with Jennifer Aniston. And I, I, again, I don't know what she's done to her face or not done to her face, but I don't think that she's had any surgery. And they had a close-up picture of her. And she's a beautiful, beautiful woman, but she has the eyes of a 50-year-old woman. There are some lines around her eyes. And I thought, God, that is beautiful. I think when women are growing old, gracefully and and embracing the stage of life that they're at I think that can be really beautiful so as you were talking Peter I was thinking about you know we get to pick who we want to follow you know mm-hmm. who who we have our children oh we don't get to pick all the time what am I I'm, I have a 14 year old and 11 year old there are only so many things that I can <laughs> choose for them but you know what are we putting in in, in front of them what do they see us lifting up who do we who do they see us lifting up and i think as well is the beauty comes from i have four other sisters and five brothers and i was always taught by my mom especially that your beauty is internal and that when you have to flaunt physically what your attributes you're looking for um an external confirmation of the beauty that god's given you is dancing beautiful Absolutely it is. I think it's a great, I mean, the Bible has dancing. David danced and um, provocatively, you know, in front of the, in front of the ark. And, and so it's not about the expression of dance. It's about when does that cross into sensuality and what, why are you dancing in the sensual for what purpose? And that comes from an internal question about where your internal beauty comes from. And that's from your identity as a princess of the high king. Yes. I like you know? that. And where you put your importance. I um, just recently turned 60, and my oldest daughter wrote me some beautiful words that um, I'll cry about if I read them all. But she said that when she was 20, she saw 40 as older. And then she said, now I'm 30 and I see you as 60, and you seem younger than you've ever been because I see your growth and your faith journey, and I'm so proud of you, Mom, and I want to be just like you. Ah, that's so I nice. That. All right, the Queens of the Roundtable are underway. We're going to take a little break, and when we come back, let us know what questions you have for us or any issues you would like us to tackle. 877-933-2484. Today, the 
queens of the roundtable are happening. Let us know what question you'd like us to uh, chew on, 877-93-FAITH. So we're talking about Super Bowl. I'd love to move on from that. But let's talk about, obviously, you ladies are going to be good role models for the next generation of godly women. But where else can you find good role models? Mm. At Set Apart on March 6th. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Set you up for that one, Angela. Thank you. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Look in the word. Um, perfect representation of true godly women. Women that are broken. Women that have looked to Jesus for hope. Um, perfect examples. Mm-hmm. I think your Bible studies, too. Um, the women that are in your church that are, they're not perfect. None of us are, but they are showing up vulnerable in front of the Lord. They're pressing in. There's so much wisdom within a church, especially from our women who are above 60 and, you know, that are in their 70s, 80s, and what they've seen and how they've journeyed, you know, to have a relationship with an older woman is an amazing gift. Thank you, Rosie, for leaving 60 out of that. (laughs) Well, I'm like getting so close to it myself. I'm like, I am not older yet. No. All right, ladies, what do you do when your spouse is not walking with the Lord. Pray. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there it's um it's so easy. The the world in today's culture makes it so easy to say that this person is not fulfilling me. This marriage is flat. It's not good enough. I'm not I'm I'm lonely. I'm not filled. And and then the exit pa- papers are so easy to achieve because we we live in an I culture. Any person who has been married knows that you fight for your marriage and you persevere. And often, at least what the Lord has told me through uh, Gary's and my tough times, was that I did so in prayer. Yeah, you know, I I reminded the Lord of who my husband was, who our mar- what our marriage was under His sacrament, and I felt like I was reminding the Lord. But truly, what He taught me later, as those seasons passed, was that I was claiming my territory against the enemy. You know, like we, the sacrament of marriage is sacred and we have to tell the enemy to get the heck off in our prayer in the name of Jesus Christ and start claiming the scripture of who God says our husbands, our wives are. I also think if you couple with others who are believers Mm -hmm. and your husband can see where their relationship is and you're not comparing, but you're looking at how are they building up each other? How do they get through their struggles? Um, Because... They're looking for, they pray for each other, they um, go to Jesus, and when you don't have that, you want him to say, what, are, what am I lacking? You know, just to surround yourself with good biblical, Bible-based people. Prayer. 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 Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think honesty, God. too, though, you have to be honest to say that my marriage is not where I want it to be. Yeah. And what is my part? What am I seeing that I'm not filling my spouse with? And when do we need help? I love the words that I just heard to, that you can say to your husband, and they're so kind and beautiful. I love you, but I don't love us right now. All right. Here's a couple of uh, listeners that over the last couple of weeks um, have had uh, husbands. Um, husbands had texted us in and said that their wives are all of a sudden kind of leaving their marriage and their families for other men. That's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. You know, I think there are there are two sides to that. Um, I obviously I'm not 
in any of those relationships, so I, I don't know what's happening specifically. But I think I'll, I can just speak as a wife that you need to you need to make sure that you have boundaries and be careful about what you're doing and what you're not doing. You know, are you friending the guys that you went to high school with and messaging with them? And oh, it's harmless that I'm just messaging with this person or well, I'm just going to meet him for coffee because it's just not co- it's just coffee. It's not uh, not a big deal. I think that can snowball quickly. Um, I think also too for husbands to be able to honestly ask themselves how am I is there something that I need to change right like I like mm-hmm. for so okay just for all, <laughs> for all you know for vulnerability's sake um <laughs> I started going to counseling after I started working full-time because it was like being in a pressure cooker and I realized you know Todd and I said we're never getting divorced and so I've got I don't know 30 40 more years in front of me and I asked myself, do I want them to look like the year, what it looks like now? And the answer was no. And I'm the only one that I can change in the relationship. And so I started going to counseling and there were, things are better. So I think it must have been me. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> but I think to be able to take an honest look and say, okay, what part of this is mine? Because I'm the only one that I can change. I cannot change another human being. And, and starting there, mm-hmm. I mean... Yeah, those situ- that's just heartbreaking that those that's happening in those marriages. And I think even before the action of leaving starts, it's the examination of our thoughts. Mm-hmm. How are we thinking of our spouse? How are we processing the day? How are we thinking of our marriage in internally? Mm-hmm. Like, our- are they going to even have a chance right. when they open their mouth? Or is our head already in such a such a yeah. record like the right. the needle is in the groove of the record of you're not enough you're not enough you're going to do mm-hmm. this again you're going to do this again and so you know we're already setting the table in a negative way in the thoughts that we're thinking before the you know <laughs> before our spouses are even participating in anything right. are those women seeking affirmation some other place right that they're not getting at home um i think just like you said um angela that be mindful of where's where's my part in this relationship Mm-hmm. Um, and never give up. Right now. Yeah. I think that's a good word is to, to never give up hope, um, but also to maybe in the process of clinging to hope that we have to give up some of our expectations mm. of what we think life will look like because many times that's not the way things turn out, and that has to do... No, I'm I'm not saying give up on a marriage. I'm I'm saying that you bring yourself to... To God in our broken state and say, this isn't what I want. I don't understand what's going on right now. Yeah, you might have to I'd, give up some expectations right. that you had for what you thought marriage was going to look like. Right. And and show me, Lord, help me and pray for that person, even if it seems like the last thing you want to do right now and you're struggling and, and you're hurt and maybe, you know, probably right, rightfully so. Maybe they've done some terrible things to you, but to pray for them as your friend, as your enemy, as however you see that, to bring their heart before the Lord because he knows them best. And where we cannot control or change other people, the Holy Spirit can. Mm -hmm. So there is hope. I have a friend who went through a divorce that she did not want, and her husband had left her for somebody else. And she, um, at the divorce proceedings, stood up and spoke to the judge and told the judge, basically, I've gone before my king. And said, I don't want this. Now I'm saying to man's king, the judge, I don't want this. This is not who my spouse is. But I say before you, I will pray for my husband 
even after you signed this degree. And I thought, what a testament of her scriptural promise to that marriage. He was leaving. He did leave. He hasn't come back. This is three years, but she still faithfully prays for him Mm -hmm. because she knows this was not, he was deceived and this is not who he is. And I just, there's been never a witness. She didn't get that perfect answer, but what a beautiful witness of what it means to be a faith-filled partner and what it means to be a servant of Christ in whom he asks us to pray for. Also by revealing your weaknesses Mm -hmm. Um, in this situation, if a husband could say to her, I've been like this, I know I've been this and this and this and this, that's not the man you married. And just to to reveal that and so that she feels closer to you and that you're, you're being um, transparent, very transparent. All right. Here's an interesting comment that came in from a listener, and it takes us back to our previous conversation, and I don't want to go back there. I just want to throw this out, okay, Uh about the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. And he remains anonymous, but he says, I truly enjoy good dancing, and I don't think think that means that's restricted to tap or that old soft shoe. But he says, sometimes I'm embarrassed by the pro, college, and sometimes even high school cheerleaders. Mm. Some of the dance competitions on TV just go too far. Save it for the bedroom of husbands and wives. I agree. Amen. Amen. I end a story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's as far as I'm touching it. Yep. All right. So what do we do uh, to guard our hearts and protect our marriages? Wow, that's such a beautiful question. What do we do to guard our hearts? You know, Can I you think... feel calloused at times? Yeah, absolutely. And then, yeah. When the callousness comes in, then do you start to worry? or? Well, I think there's scripture for that. Okay. Remove this heart of stone, replace it with a heart of flesh. You know, in, since Angela is already being transparent, and Gary, if you are listening, I'm not going anywhere scary. But I did have to, um, when our marriage was difficult, that was a prayer I prayed for myself because I felt it. I felt the hardness of my heart. I had in my own responsibility taken offense, and that's also not biblical. And so the enemy doesn't care. He's going to take advantage of any of our weaknesses he wants to. And so um, that's the beauty of repentance is that we do, if you have, if you're walking with the Lord, the Holy Spirit is so just and such a good comforter, but he will convict you. And there is scripture for that. And I will tell you, Bill, when I prayed that over myself, it is written, you know, and just really praying that the Lord would change my heart. He did. He really, really did. And I was able to then to approach Gary and be confessional and be like, I've been so mad at you on these things. And I let my love go grow cold. And that was a sin against our marriage. And so it was so, you have the capacity to be renewed. Mm-hmm. And that's what Jesus is. He's our renewer. He's our redeemer. I think something that's important too, is to, if you need help, like I did find a counselor, or find a group of people that can be really honest with you that you can that you can you can say the awful things that you're feeling that feel too terrible to say mm-hmm. because sometimes i think those things just rolling around and i call it alone in my head unsupervised <laughs> um, but if you can hear yourself say it then you hear you hear yourself say it and you go ooh that is a lie from the pit and if you have people, trusted people around you that you can say those things to, so I would say like find your tribe or whatever. Yeah, and small groups. Get, yeah, and get a counselor if you need it. It gives you accountability as a couple and to be able to trust another couple and for them to be able to hear what you're going through, um, whether they're older or younger, because um, we all have our seasons in life. 
and they can help you build up and rebuild your marriages. I think one of the things that I've been doing just as a little exercise in in scripture study is looking at all the one another's of the Bible and remembering that that applies to my spouse as well. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So (laughs) like accept one another, be kind and tenderhearted, forgiving one another, above (laughs) all, love one another deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. One another means my husband's name is Matthew. So I say love Matthew deeply for love covers a multitude of sins. Bear with him, love him, forgive him. It's easy to put it in general terms, Um, But I think just personifying that and saying, this is my job. And it doesn't, I mean, yes, that call is also to him as well, but it's not on me to hold him accountable to that command necessarily. It's on me to first look to what I'm doing. And Mm -hmm. so rather than, you know, when you're in an argument or things are tense, it's easy to point to what the other person is doing wrong. Mm -hmm. And instead, I'm, I'm just really asking God to remind me to, to keep my focus on my relationship with him and that I am doing what's right first before I give any thought to accusing the other party of what they might not be doing quite right. I also... One, th- oh, go ahead. Sorry, I have one caveat for finding your, your tribe of people, people, your group of people, is make sure that when you are complaining that they don't join... Or when, you, when you're talking about what the struggle is, Find people who are going to redirect you, who are not going to join in in the bashing of your husband. Yeah, don't compound the problem. Right, but that will, I mean, I mean there, there is a difference between venting and, and tearing down. And when you have friends who can say to you, oh, I understand that that's hard, but I don't know. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I totally get it. Yeah, the, and the I think people it's... who are going to lift you up, not tear him down with you. Right, right. Yeah. Girls against a guy sort of thing. Right. I think that's important. All right. We'll take one more break and we'll be back with the Queens of the Roundtable. 877-933-2484. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show. Queens of the Roundtable are here, and we're having a great time. Ladies, tell me about your inner critic. Why? <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> Why would I do that? Please I tell like me. to silence the inner critic. I don't want to give it any more time. Well, I get no. that, but, you know, tell me about what you think, what, what that critic says, mm. and how you get it to stop. Well, I think everybody's inner critic might be different depending on their families of origin or the experiences they go through. Uh, I know personally my inner inner critic, uh, I have an amazing group of siblings that are extremely successful. And in most things, I'm above average in my life. But with them, I'm definitely just average because of their achievements. So oh. my inner critic has always been, are you doing enough? Mm-hmm. Are you using your gifts enough? And it wasn't until... The Lord really taught me about my own personal identity with him, that it was regardless of whatever I did, I'm loved by him, by his grace, Mm -hmm. by his choosing, that that gives me the power to go up against that critic. But, you know, it's kind of like that um, axiom, if you're hungry, if you're tired, you know, so 
when I get too busy, if I'm not taking care of myself, then that critic has more voice. But if I'm walking with the Lord, the critic, you know, he keeps that critic down. He really does. Yeah. Mine is comparison. So that starts mm-hmm. right away in the morning. I hit the gym every morning at 630. And I am the oldest one in the room. <laughs> so when I told them they had to do 60 uh, push-ups, they're like, really? But what I got to do is I do everything that that 20-year-old does. And I do it to my best ability, mm-hmm. and that knocks down that comparison. So that critic goes away. So I can leave the gym going, well, I showed up. I did it. So if I look at and I have my five Fs in, in my life, my faith, my family, my finances, and if I can be the best I can be at all five of those Fs, then my comparison to anybody else kind of withers away, and I know that I'm the best person that God created to be me. He gave us only three out of the five Fs. Um, um, faith, family, finance, fitness, and fun. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my turn. Fantastic. (laughs) Um, It's not my turn. (laughs) I would say that it's dwelling in the place of being enough and being too much and not enough at the same time, which a lot of women out there are going, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I get that. Um, Feeling like God has gifted me, but not quite enough to do something. And so I would say I dwell sometimes in paralyzing insecurity, um, which is very, very frustrating. And how I balance that is um, not only remembering who I am in Christ, that I'm a daughter of the living King, but that he created me with my individual gifting so that while I think it it is like of the utmost important importance that we remember like our general identity that God created us but also he created me he created Angela he created Angela with the gifts that he's given me and he loves me and he and and I am enough and when I can dwell in that place Mm -hmm. um I'm just happier (laughs) it's true when I can do that Rebecca I've oh man inner critics um I got them I got a bunch. And unfortunately, sometimes they sound an awful lot like other voices that I have heard say literal things to me. Mm -hmm. And so those types of things, if you give that a foothold to think, oh, well, it's not just my imagination because there's this person or people that have said this particular thing that has critiqued. And so if you allow that to be the space of your memory, it becomes, it can become the kind of this consuming fear monster or keep you from holding you back or, or thinking, well, maybe God thinks that about me too, because those people thought that. And so now God, you know, maybe you got it wrong. Maybe you made me wrong. Maybe I am not really enough. And that is the devil. Mm-hmm. That is the enemy of our souls that wants to keep us from being exactly who God created us to be by telling us that God was wrong because he made us wrong in some way, insufficient um, or or too much. And, and that, where, wherever it's coming from, just letting that go, letting it die, getting rid of that. And, and not just creating a vacuum to say, I'm not going to believe that anymore. We have to cling to the truth of what God says. That no matter how I feel about how I look or what my hair is doing today or what kind of employment review I got or the fact that none of the kids ate the dinner that I worked for three hours on, <laughs> that does not change the fact that my heavenly father created me and had me in his heart and in his mind from before the foundations of the world and that he knew what I would need. 
along every step of the way. He knew my fingerprints. He knew my hair color. He knew when those hairs would turn gray. <laughs> or when we <laughs> color them. <laughs> and he knows what we need. He knows who we are and how to provide for us. And he sent his only begotten son to die on the cross so that I could be with him forever. And that sounds like a pretty awesome person to me. Which goes yeah. back to the very first question we had of the mother with the two-year-old. Mm. What does God, he wants to spend time with us. Right. He just wants us to be with him. Don't you think too, I mean, we all said basically the same thing in a lot of different words. It's an identity. And, you know, I don't know, Bill, if this, if men have the same issue. I wish Peter were st- still on. <laughs> Not if, me. If, <laughs> do men struggle with identity as much as women? Because I, I really did hear we all just said the same thing. Comparison, we're not enough. Not enough. And um, believing what other people have spoken into our lives. I mean, it's who we are as women of God. Why isn't that enough? Mm-hmm. You know, it it seems to me that we are... Um, we're we're spending too much time in pleasing man versus looking up and saying, Jesus, I don't you're think, enough. Yeah, I don't think it's a woman. I think it's just... Do you think it's a guy thing too? No, I think it's just human beings. It's um, That covers both of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Guys, guys, and <laughs> guys, guys and women. Who would be more competitive, males or females? In what arena? In what arena, yeah. Well, I didn't think there was going to be follow-up questions. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. Define, define. No, but you were asking about identity, and mm-hmm. I think for men, men can be so fiercely competitive. It's not that they um, are doing comparison. They just want to win. They want to be mm. a hair bit better than the next guy. Well, and generally in gender communication, when women are communicating with each other, they're trying to go one under to build relationship, mm-hmm. and men are trying to one up. So... In their communication, they're trying to one-up the other one, which would end up looking like competition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I guess my, my follow-up question to that um, would be, if we talk about identity, it's something that everyone is going to suffer with, and we have to always be recalibrating, getting our head back into God's Word, telling us the truth, telling ourselves the truth of what God says about us. Amen. Mm-hmm. Well, and don't you, have you guys heard that saying, Jesus knows who we are, the enemy knows who we are, we're the only ones confused. And so really going back to the enemy's job is to take us out of our inheritance by the Lord. And press us down. And press us down. So if he can get to us and who are who we really are, princes and, you know, prince and princesses of the high king, then we aren't nearly as effective because the Lord's not working through us because we're struggling with all this, you know, baggage that the enemy, that we've we've bought into the lies because we're not confident on who we are. Mm -hmm. So maybe we can chat briefly again about the event coming up in March. Of course we can. (laughs) We love this event. um, Well, if women want to find out more or if men want to find out more information about it to maybe get register the women in their lives, you can go go. to setapartconference.com to find out all the information about all the workshops. And we um, also have Melissa Mork, who's a professor here. Yeah, she's She's been on the show. Yeah, she's going to be talking about grief, humor, and purpose, which should be heavy and funny. Yeah, so do you go to... (laughs) What website? 
setapartconference.com. It's got its own website. Dot com. Mm-hmm. Setapartconference.com. Mm-hmm. And I just have to speak out. If you are a working woman listening to this, I wish I had known about this conference. It's one of the oldest, longest-running conferences in the Midwest at 37 years. But it doesn't have retreat in its title because it's not an overnight but giving yourself the space to to learn, to be quiet with the Lord, to have people pour into you is the best gift you can give yourself, too. And this is for women of all ages. So we see daughters, mothers, gr- um, grandmothers. grandmothers. Mm-hmm. So it's just a, a time to be filled. Let yourself be filled. Give yourself some time with the Lord and with other like-minded women. Plus, the food is really good. Pretty solid ringing endorsement. You ladies did spectacular today. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks Thank for you. having us. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. appreciate it. Well, I don't have Queens of the Roundtable without the Queens, so <laughs> trust me, I need you more than you need me. That wraps up our show for the day. Thank you for uh, the guys who came in uh, and the ladies here. It's been a great day. Looking forward to tomorrow as well. And uh, if you missed any of today's show, you can go to MyFaithRadio.com and go to the webpage and then uh, hit play and hear what you missed. I'll see you tomorrow. Have a great night, everyone. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.